The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. John went throughout the whole region of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The winding roads shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Today there will be a second collection um, for the retirement fund for religious sisters, brothers and sisters, many of whom, um, sorry, brothers and priests, uh, many of whom who uh, will have worked for little, if any, um, pay in Catholic schools, hospitals, other institutions and missions. So that means that um, uh, very little, if any, pension arrangements made for them. So um, apparently there are over 34,000 religious men and women aged over 70 in the United States uh, in need of our support. So uh, please uh, uh, be generous in the second collection today. Um, It's a kind of gratitude really for the sacrifices so many of those religious men and women uh, have given for the church. Your 2013 contribution envelopes are available at the entrance to the church. Uh, Please take them after Mass. Um, do remind you about the Vespers next evening prayer next Sunday evening. Uh, our Christian brothers and sisters from other churches in Gwyn have also been invited, and there's a potluck uh, meal afterwards. So that's 5:30 uh, next Sunday evening, uh, Gaudete Sunday. Uh, I seem to remember a remark after last uh, the last time Vespers we had uh, from the women who were present. They said, "Where are the men?" <laughs> So uh, do come along. Uh, It's a wonderful celebration of the Church's Liturgy of the Hours uh, next Sunday evening. I want to thank you all for the support you gave to the spaghetti luncheon last Sunday. And as I mentioned in the bulletin, more more adults have now joined the March for Life so that we now have four coaches going from the UP to Washington, D.C. in January, which is double the number of coaches last year when there were two. And that was double the number of coaches the previous year when there was one. So um, do, if you still want to come, then do sign up to join those who wish to give witness to the sanctity of life and the repeal of Roe uh, versus Wade. I think there are also sign-up sheets for the Living Nativity, which takes place next Saturday. Uh, so do sign up for that as well. Today we encounter St. John the Baptist in our Advent preparations and we'll, we'll be with him again uh, next Sunday too. But his, his Advent, John the Baptist's arrival, is kind of like a gathering of the Gentiles and all the nations and all sinners uh, to God 
We read that wonderful phrase at the end of the Gospel today, uh, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. It's not just for uh, an exclusive few, it's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles too, it's not just a chosen few, but all who have been converted uh, will walk in, and who walk in the right path, they'll be gathered um, uh, together uh, to, to the one kingship of Christ. And, uh, you know, we can have no, we, we cannot sort of judge who will or will not be amongst them. We remember those words of our Lord himself, you know, to the scribes and Pharisees who he said were placing heavy burdens on the people, burdens they wouldn't carry themselves. And he said, our tax collectors and harlots will go into the kingdom of God before you. Yes, this, the, the kingdom of God is a place for sinners who have heard the call to repentance and have converted and who win from the Lord forgiveness of their sins. Not by their own merits of freely offered grace of forgiveness and yet a forgiveness that cannot be forced upon us. It can only be received through conversion of, and repentance. And we read in the prophet Baruch this morning, that great joy of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city in Israel, and in the earlier verses of that prophecy in Baruch, you hear about Israel as well. The people had been scattered. We read how they'd been led on foot by the enemy out of Jerusalem, and they'd been scattered to different nations. Because of their unfaithfulness to the covenants, God had forsaken them, and so they'd been scattered amongst pagan nations. And there's this prophecy of Jerusalem, that city, you know, weeping for the loss of her children, and, but uh, an assurance that she would rejoice, there would be the joy of seeing her children now scattered around the, amongst the nations, coming back to, to Jerusalem. Now this is not a prophecy about a, you know, a political Jerusalem or a political Israel, but rather a new Jerusalem, a new Israel, which is the church, the people of God, and how all mankind would be brought together into this new Jerusalem which is the church. We can also think perhaps in the context of the new evangelization of Jerusalem weeping for the loss and the scattering of her children, how the church currently must weep also at the loss of so many of her members who do not join us, who are not with us. Think of your own family members and relatives and friends who are baptized but are not here or have forsaken the church for some reason. And we might pray, you know, with confidence that, the full, that that prophecy that we heard this morning may be fulfilled for the new Jerusalem, which is the church, that the church may one day rejoice to see all those who are scattered, who've been led away by one thing or another, that they might come back, that they may be with us in the, in the church, in this new Jerusalem. We hear in the second reading from St. Paul of his longing for the Philippians, that they would increase in love, that they would discern what is of value, and so be pure and blameless in the way of Christ. Second day in a row, isn't it, that we've heard that reference to purity and blamelessness. We heard it yesterday in the Immaculate Conception, you know, the Holy Day of Obligation, when we came to Mass, and we heard the second reading from St. Paul to the Ephesians yesterday, speaking about how we were created before the foundation of the world. We were, in God's mind, we were created to be pure and spotless, to be pure and blameless. 
and how we've lost that and yet we have the possibility of recovering that through grace, through conversion, repentance and forgiveness. And this is the work that St. Paul says will be completed in us if we respond to the call to conversion. This is why we enter into this season of Advent every year to prepare, you know, that we may be found uh, awake when the Lord comes, that we may be prepared to celebrate his coming, not just as Christmas, but at Christmas, but his coming to us individually now and at the end of time. So we have John the Baptist today preaching this, uh, this conversion, this baptism of forgiveness uh, to all who would hear him. He is one who preaches faith and good works. He is preparing the way for the Lord to enter into our hearts so the power of grace may enter into us and, and truth may, may somehow overwhelm us and take, take us over. He was coming to preach one who was going to redeem both Jews and Gentiles, to redeem the whole world, all who would hear his voice. Now there is the reference in the Gospel that, Paul, that uh, John the Baptist makes in the fulfilment of the prophecy of Isaiah about the valleys and the hills. You know, hills will be laid low, valleys will be filled in. And yes, one could say that's so that there are fewer obstacles, there are fewer detours that one has to make. But St. Gregory the Great has a wonderful insight concerning these hills and valleys. He says how the valleys are the humble ones and the mountains and hills are the proud. St. Gregory the Great says that every valley shall be filled because holy teaching will fill up the hearts of the humble with the grace of the virtues. Pride eventually leads to faithlessness the loss of what had made the person great, because he exalts himself rather than glorifying God by humility and obedience. And we have to come before the Lord in this season of Advent with that deep humility, deep as a valley, deep knowing that we need to be filled, we're empty, and we come before the Lord knowing that we have nothing, and if we come empty before him, then he will fill us with his grace and, and, and make us stronger with those virtues. And he will tear down the pride that we have set up, the mountains we have set up in our lives. When we, we're haughty, we place ourselves at the center of things and wish to be admired by others. No, we come before the Lord humble and empty, poor, like John the Baptist. We can see evidence of John the Baptist's humility kind of strange appearance he had, and you can look at, see the icon that we've placed on the front of the bulletin this week, dressed in that hair shirt and a bit of disheveled appearance, because he really, as St. You know, Paul says in the reading that we had today, did discern what is of value. The things that the world considers of value, he did not. He considered of value the things of heaven, and he considered of value the need for repentance, wearing that uncomfortable dress, that hair shirt, so that camel hair shirt, so that he would be uncomfortable and be able to offer penance for, this, for sins. That he acknowledged that there was one greater than he who would come, one whose sandal he was even not worthy to untie, one who will come after me who is greater than me. And yet Jesus himself said of John the Baptist, of all men born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Why? 
because there was no one so humble as John the Baptist. John the Baptist recognized that he had to decrease so that the Lord would increase. And that's the way in our lives too. We must ourselves decrease so that the Lord may increase in us. And you know, when we come to confession, that takes humility, doesn't it? We need humility to acknowledge our sins. We need humility to accept that this is the way Jesus Christ has has instituted for the forgiveness of sins and that the Church continues this ministry of forgiveness of sins through the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And our Bishop has asked us to be particularly aware of of our need for repentance in this first moment of the year of faith, uh, this season of Advent particularly, which is a season of when we're called to repentance. We're thinking about the first moment of the Mass, when we begin our Mass confessing our sins. But he also said in the message that we played last week, you know how there is undoubtedly a crisis in the sacrament of confession. Don't you remember hearing him say that perhaps no other sacrament has has suffered such a crisis in the practice of the faithful as as confession? None of us can be forgiven our sins without obeying the Lord. Humility implies obedience. It takes humility, first of all, to acknowledge that we're sinners. It takes humility to come before a priest and acknowledge that we're sinners. It takes humility to accept the fact that maybe we've got something to relearn about this sacrament. And uh, there's that wonderful um, inclusion in the UP Catholic about the sacraments of confession put there with the bishop's uh, uh, initiative and his collaborators. He's put, put some words there about confession, a detailed examination of conscience to help us. Uh, examine once again. It takes humility to say, well, I'm going to pick that up and maybe I should revisit some of these points that have been placed there and maybe I've got something to learn. I have to say it's been very nice, you know, a couple of occasions, you know, some, some people have come to confession and they've literally got the UP Catholic with them. So I've been looking at this point, I hear the rustle of the newspaper behind the screen, you know, behind the grill. And yeah, I hadn't thought about that and that's a wonderful sign of humility that the people have taken that effort to re-examine their use of this sacrament. Or there are those smaller guides which are available at the entrance to the church, those small white sheets, with questions to help us prepare for confession. No, this is an indispensable means for our conversion, one that the church makes available. And so, you know, one can only uh, commend it to the faithful so that the faithful make use of this beautiful means for themselves. Let us be like John the Baptist. Let us seek this humility. Let us accept his call to repentance and conversion so that, so that we may be filled and any mountains of our pride within us may be torn down so that we will decrease but the Lord will increase.